1: This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is The James Altucher Show. Today on The James Altucher Show. I've always wondered, if you make a good amount of money, should you leave your kids all the money, some of the money, none of the money, and it's confusing because you love your kids, and... Uh, you know, and it's not just that also. Should you die with zero? As my good friend Bill Perkins, who's made a whole bunch of money, wrote a book about it. He wrote a book called Die With Zero. And I wonder about that too, because what if, you know, obviously you can't die with zero because what if you lived one more day? Then how would you support yourself? But uh, But, you know, I get the idea of spending money down. Like, what are you saving the money for? What did you make the money for if you were never going to spend it? Well, you could say, well, I was making it for my kids or I was making it for charity. And I'll tell you one story. I was once friends with, uh, very good friends, with the son of a, of a well-known, famous billionaire. And I lent, he needed money one time. We were, we, he wanted to buy a stock and we were standing in his broker's office, who happened to be my broker as well. And he hadn't gotten his trust allowance yet. And he asked me if he could borrow some money So I said, sure, no problem. And so the broker paid for the stock he wanted to buy out of my account. And then for the next three or four years, I was always asking, hey, can I have that money back? Particularly, this was during a time many years ago where it went broke and it was a significant amount of money. And he always said, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, my family, you know, has billions. We'll send you the money right away. And I never got the money. And ultimately, I'm afraid to say I gave up and I just lost touch with him. And that was that. And so... I guess he didn't have the money or just because he was the son of a billionaire, his dad probably knew he was an idiot and didn't give him the money or kept him on some sort of tight leash. I don't know. But, you know, you could see that he was very privileged, very entitled, and he felt comfortable not paying me back. And I always worry if you just give kids everything, they never have to worry. They never go through the struggle and the stress that I know I've been through. I've been through such enormous stress trying to meet my responsibilities as, you know, a provider and a father and, and so on. I mean, times when I've gone broke, I've been not so scared about me. I figure I can live in a homeless shelter. I don't even care about myself as much as I care about, I don't want my kids to suffer or I don't want them to have to, you know, live in situations that could hurt them. And also, I don't want them to be, you know, ashamed of me. Like, I kind of viewed my own value in the world as someone who could provide for them and, and make money and 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 so on. And so when Bill talks about dying with zero, I think first about my kids. I think second about, you know, well, how am I going to survive as I start spending down? Like, what, what sort of things do I really want to spend on? And... Uh, it's interesting. No matter how much money you have, you always have to ask these questions. Whether you're, you know, a provider, or whether you're, you have a certain lifestyle you want to live, or whether you want to leave money for your kids. And does that make them too entitled, and, and they won't experience the struggle? And on the flip side, is the struggle is very painful. I don't want my kids to go through that. And so, what's what's the balance? So, fortunately, I had a chance to talk to Bill Perkins about this while he was on. His, his yacht cruising, I guess, the Mediterranean through Croatia. Is it the Mediterranean, Jay? I don't even know. Is that the
0: Mediterranean?
1: Yeah, it's Croatia. Yeah, but is that is Croatia on the Mediterranean or is there some kind of like Serbian Sea or something? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know, Jeff. I told somebody the other day I majored in geography in college, which is like a ludicrous major, but uh, I don't really know geography at all. So uh, so anyway, this I talked to Bill well over a year ago but the conversation always rings true today and and uh, any day and also there's a surprise guest on this podcast that was very surprising to me so anyway i hope you enjoy so bill perkins on the podcast bill i've heard of you before i mean i i was familiar with your work with John Arnold from way back. I was I used to be in the hedge fund business. As a way of introduction, you were a, a top trader for John Arnold, who's maybe the most successful trader in history. Would you say he traded energy and oil and all this, all sorts of uh, fun stuff down there in Texas?
0: Yeah, I mean, John John is definitely probably the greatest commodity trader there ever was. Um, he traded primarily focused on natural gas. I mean, they dabbled dabbled in oil probably more personally than professionally for the fun, but, um, he was pretty, uh, stoic and very analytical and put a lot of hours into learning which way the price of natural gas was gonna go, where the spreads were gonna go, what vol was gonna do. He did a pretty good job for his book and for himself.
1: Yeah. And, um, you mentioned him briefly in, in "Die with zero. So I'm, I'm curious about that, but you wrote a book. It's coming out, uh, Die with zero, which is getting all you can from your money and your life by Bill Perkins. And the basic concept is at different periods in your life, experiences are are worth different amounts. So as you mentioned um, in the book, I'm just giving some basic examples, but like when you're 80 and you know you have a terminal illness, you much rather would have an experience than make an extra amount of money because the amount of money is gonna be useless to you. Whereas when you're 20, it's a little bit more complicated decision how you balance decision uh, making money and experiences and so on. And, and your point in the book is any extra amount of time you spent earning money that you is then sitting in your bank account when you die is kind of worthless. That time that you spent slaving away over whatever it is that you do, earning an extra X number of dollars, if you simply have it in your bank account, when you die, that all that time was kind of wasted is my interpretation of it.
0: You got it, you nailed it dead on the nose, right? And so what I'm trying to get people to do is utilize uh, their resources, their money, right? Their time, mainly their time correctly, right? And so you don't want to, if you could look from heaven or from, from the beginning and say, okay, this is what I'm gonna spend, you would work those many hours for that money and not a second more, right? And what we have people doing is for various reasons, mainly autopilot, which I believe, and habit working for no reward because it's money that they're receiving that they're never going to spend. Right. right? They're, it's just going to, they're just going to die and it's going to go, it's going to get taxed by the government or go off into cyberspace. Yeah.
1: Or even going to the kids is like I always say about my kids, I'm going to be dead. So I don't really care if they have money after I die. I mean, I care that they're happy. <laughs> But happiness doesn't necessarily come from money, and and you refer to this. It's not like I would leave my kids zero. You just figure it out. Like they don't need. They're probably going to be sixty years old when I die anyway. So presumably they figured it out for themselves by then.
0: Well, there's a couple of points that I I talk about with kids. Is one when I talk about dying with zero and using all the money that you have. I'm talking about your money, not your kids' money. So if you're going to leave something to your kids, there's an optimal time to give them that money. It generally i will I will go on record and say it's not when you're eighty five and they're sixty one right that that's not the optimal time to give your kids money is when they're sixty one right so it's not at your deathbed um, you want to basically figure out what you want to give them, have a plan for them, okay, and pick the time where the money will have the most impact on their lives so because one of the things we talk about in the book, which is true for you is the same for your kids is that Your ability to convert your money into meaningful experiences declines over time, okay? And that's mainly because your mental facilities decline, your bone density declines, your health declines, et cetera. So there's a whole plethora of activities where your enjoyment of these activities starts to go down and down and down until you can't enjoy them and then you're dead, right? And so I'm talking about allocating your experiences properly throughout your life. So that you get the maximum enjoyment the maximum ride you can get and that's true for your kids as well we want to separate the money that's the kids for them right
1: so so with dying with zero I think the big issue a lot of people have is that they're afraid that they'll get to zero before they die
0: that's a that's a huge fear um and even if I, they I, have, assuming I, they have
1: I, savings by the way a lot of people don't have savings
0: yeah but it, it, it's a it's a it's a it's a huge fear, and i I want to shift that fear. I'm not saying it's not valid, and these are things that we should prepare for uh, and and insulate against those risks. But people should fear not having the most wonderful, fulfilling adventurous ride they could have, not fear running out of money, right? And because fear is a paralyzing thing, right? Like I have kids when when I was teaching them how to swim. They can swim back and forth, and then you try and put them in a the deep end, They're like we can't swim there; it's deep. And it was just like this total block that somehow, if the if the ocean was deep, they would just sink to the bottom, right? And which which made no sense. And so people had this this gnawing fear of running out of money, so much so that they don't live their lives when they have their health uh, and 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 vigor, and they don't chase their dreams, et cetera. And I'm trying to get those people like people like, Oh, I'm saving. So, you know, we have to save for survival and we have to save for some variants, but being an insurance agent with a client of one is not rational and it's not optimal, right? Like if you said, Oh, this is an insurance firm. I'm going to invest in them. What would they have? They have one client. They'd be like, that's the worst insurance firm in the world. Right? Like it's right. totally inefficient. Uh, and so I try and get people to look at other ways to mitigate those risks and those fears, uh, besides just fittering away their hours and oversaving,
1: so So let's explain that analogy for a second, because it's really interesting. Uh, And I've never heard it put that way before. So when you say an insurance agency with a client of one, that's like me trying to decide how many years I'm going to live and then making all my decisions relative to how much money I need to make, given how many years I'm going to live and what experience I should have. So I'm like kind of becoming an insurance company where I'm the only client and that's ridiculous because insurance agencies make a living doing the averages over large numbers of people.
0: Right. And if you look at insurance margins, right, like even if you bought an annuity or you can insure against other products, right, they have their margin, their business, six, eight percent tops. Right. It's, it's a levered business. Right. Then they go lever it with treasuries and free money. And it looks like a 30 percent return. But but really, like the edge is like five to eight percent for an insurance Product, right? Like if you bought a ring for your wife and you're like, hey, I want to get married, and here's a ring, and a ring costs a thousand dollars. You don't then go save a thousand dollars in case you lose that ring, right? That would be crazy. Right. <laughs> right. So that's kind of what people, you know, are roundabout doing, super afraid of running out of money before they die. They're they're they have this stash of cash that they wind up dying with, and basically this unlived adventure that they never had.
1: Yeah, so, so, I mean, there's two types of people making money, let's say. There's the people who are taking a job and they're making an annual income and, and they don't sort of break out of that. And it's harder for them to kind of save significant amounts in X number of years so that for 20 years afterwards or 40 years afterwards, they could live off the savings. Maybe yes, maybe no. And then there's another type There's kind of entrepreneurial where they're really aiming to get that to a number as quickly as possible. And then um, they, they divide their life into two parts. One is the money-making part and the other is the experience-having part. But what about the people who, who, that first group, the people who are, they're making a living, they're working as you know a marketing manager at Procter & Gamble, and then they're a marketing director and then a marketing VP and blah, blah, blah.
0: I, I think, look, like, well, all of us have in varying degrees of time, health and money. These are the resources, right? And a lot of times we spent I think the people you're describing in this example are people who are exchanging their time for money, right? They don't have a big big savings, right? They still have their health, right? And and what I'm what I talk about in the book is basically balance and getting off autopilot. There's nothing wrong with going to make money and and saving up for the future and delayed gratification for some trip or you know or or your survival number. Basically, I'm going to stop working when I'm 65. I need at least x to survive um after that fact. And that's all fine and dandy. What 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 I'm trying to get people to to do is also think about like listen, certain experiences are not for after 65, right? And it depends on who you are, right? I can't say that like, This particular experience is not for after 65 for this person. I'm just saying, in general, on average, there's going to be a bucket of experiences that are meant for your 20s, that are meant for your 30s, that are meant for your 40s, 50s, and so on, depending on who you are. And if you're delaying that gratification for those events to 65, that means you'll never have them. Right. And so we have to constantly check in with ourselves and go, okay— I know I need to save for survival. That's the experience all of us want to have forever. We want to survive. But above and beyond survival, we want to have these wonderful experiences, right? And during each period of our life or time bucket, there are certain experiences that that's the season. Like my glow stick days, they're pretty much over, right? Like if I if I didn't go to a club and and glow stick it up and have fun or whatever, I'm pretty much I'm pretty much done with glow sticks, you know? And I, I either I did it. And I had fun, and I, I can relive those experiences and cash in on what I call the memory dividend. Or I didn't do it, and I'll never do it, and it's over, right? And and so I'm getting people to seek out their own balance and to get off autopilot of not just, let me grind, let me grind, let me grind, let me get to a number, et cetera. You know, the purpose of money— is for the acquisition of experiences. And that could be charitable experience. They don't have to be all hedonistic and clubs and glow sticks and, and shit like that, right? <laughs> and so, you know, it could be, you want to go help uh, a village in Azerbaijan or, or, or Africa or wherever, right? Um, but it's identifying those experiences that we want to have and acquiring the capital in order to do those experiences. And, and there is a time for each one of those. We got a stranger in the back. What's Dan Bilzerian just jumped in. Dan We're not on video, Dan. I to get good lighting. No, Wait, I'm not wh- on video. One. No, no. When are you going to do another saw. prop
1: bet? When are you two guys going to do another prop bet?
0: He's asking when we're going to do another prop bet. Oh god. <laughs> I don't know. I can get him to swim someplace out here. Well, I mean, we're we're right now we're off the coast of Croatia, so maybe With my health, hopefully no time
1: soon. <laughs> coast of Croatia, are are people allowed to leave there or get there?
0: You're definitely allowed to get here. Um, Croatia, you know, I, I got some feedback about, uh, you know, some people like, "Oh, can you come here or not, or whatever?" And it's just like, you know, a simple Google search would let you know that Croatia is open for business. Yeah, if then, you're Bill Perkins and you rent a 220 foot yacht, then you can go to Croatia. That's now that's your. <laughs> <laughs> no, just you, to repeat, commercial. Bill, Dan Bilzerian
1: <laughs> said, "If you're Bill Perkins and you have a 224 foot <laughs> yacht, you could go to Croatia." I buy. I I agree with that. <laughs>
0: that's true but you could also go croatia commercial you have to now have passed a covid a negative covid test i think within 48 hours of landing so that's the new rule they just implemented but it, it, they are open for business all right why and are you guys, a, in, it, why are you guys a, in
1: croatia why did you choose there
0: um it was one of the few places that was open for business and you know it had a great coast i saw the pictures i'd never been here except for one time i came to a friend's bachelor party way back when i went to var i don't remember a thing it was like a bachelor party you know how those things can yeah. go and so and so i was like okay let me actually go see croatia and it's beautiful it's awesome and and, I and are you guys playing poker there or anything here. Uh, we've been playing other games and cards. We got a group. We were going to play some cards tonight, but I told them I can't. I got a podcast going on. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so, so okay. So,
1: you know, a, a lot. I feel like a lot of my life was spent miserably because I was valuing accumulating enough money to survive. Uh, you know, without thinking of experience, and and it's only when I started blending, like I gave up on that goal, and I started blending having experiences and not focusing as much on money that a I experienced a lot more happiness in life and B I actually experienced more money-making opportunities because I had time I had time and time actually is, is a valuable uh uh commodity to make money
0: yeah I think what you did was you got off autopilot right and you found your balance whatever it is and a lot of times you know we we have to be focused we have to get there we have to we have to survive right so that's a good thing right these you developed habits that made you successful right and you went into the grind what happens i think with a lot of people is is that they just stay you know they 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 stay focused they stay in these habits and they forget the goal right the goal was to have an enjoyable f- fulfilling life right they wanted to have like the best ride they possibly can and pretty soon, they're like a hamster in a wheel, just running and running and running for no cheese, right? Like, you, you don't even have to give the rat cheese anymore after a while. You just, you just let it run. And, and they forget why they were running in the first place or why, in our cases as human beings, why we were working, why we really got good at computers, why we, why we went into this trade, why we went into this profession, right? Like, people didn't go into commercial real estate. Yeah, they might like it a little bit, and they like making deals, and there's some social aspect out of it, but they're in commercial real estate for the money. And the money is not just for it to be on a screen like, you know, Mario Brothers high score. It's there for you to convert it into experiences and, 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 and your journey and fun and connecting with people and friends and the world and making an impact. And somehow along the way, the abstract of the money creates this disconnect from what the ultimate goal was, which was a kick-ass fulfilling life.
1: And so with you you at the age of 25 I guess you started working for with John Arnold you mentioned he kept going he said stop me when I hit 15 million and then he kept going 25 million 100 million he still wasn't stopped and now I mean I don't know what he's up but it's it's probably billions do you think he made a
0: mistake I mean he, he I think he I think he enjoyed what he was doing and he didn't calibrate correctly but I do believe in the end he worked past the utility. He worked way past the, the uh, amount of money that he will ever spend or they he'll ever get to enjoy or that he'll ever get any kind of utility out. So at the end, work became not enjoyable to him. It, it, it sort of lost its purpose, right? And it, it's like, what am I doing here? And, and, and why am I wasting my time, my, my mental capacity, on solving which way natural gas is going to go, et cetera, when I can be solving the world's problems or this issue or that issue, and so he left trading to go into philanthropy full time, and, and and tackle more interesting problems that he actually enjoys attacking things that he always wanted to do. And so you can you can
1: argue you can argue that he needed to make the billions to do something which is very satisfying to him like maybe philanthropy is the most satisfying experiences he could have
0: um i i, I can't speak for john directly right but i i could say that at, at, at a certain point i i don't think he'll he'll spend his billions before he dies and and the impact won't be made before he dies. and so right. yes i guess he could say i wanted to work for future generations to take this money to impact people for future problems That, you know, that was not a conscious thought in his head, right? Like we can backwards adjust it and say, oh, yeah, he had to do this. But, you know, I I would say I would argue that the last year or and a half to two years of trading, it was unenjoyable for him. And it was producing no benefit whatsoever that he'll ever get to reap uh, from it because he will die with that money. His foundation will die. He will die before his foundation runs out of that money, et cetera.
1: So, so at what point did you realize, like you're you're you were a trader, then you ran a hedge fund. At what point did you say to yourself, "Man, I am just not having fun anymore. I'm going to go on my yacht to Croatia."
0: <laughs> so I was trying to find balance. So we, when even earlier on, even when I was working for Centaurus, I I was kind of like even the the path I chose. The reason why I got in commodities is that. I just did not want to be a suit going into office, checking in every day. Like, it just seemed like, you know, I I went to school for electrical engineering, but I knew I didn't want to do that. Right. Because it just seemed like misery to do that. Right. Just go in, check in. This is your career path. They would lay it out to you in career day. Like, this is what you do. You work this many years, whatever. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, fucking kill me. You know, this is, this is horrible. Right. Like, it's not my spirit. Like for certain people, I'd be like, "This is awesome. Everything's laid out for me." Whatever for me, I was just like, "This sucks balls." And so, um, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. No, but so, uh, <laughs> it's all right. This is, this is the it's, Wild it's, West of podcasts. This is Wild West of podcasts. And so, and so, I, I I saw trading and I thought, "Oh my gosh, this is it." There's you know guys in casual wear yelling and screaming and 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 figuring things out and they're making money and i was just like you know arrogant kid i'm like well if he could be a millionaire so could i you know that type of thing and and you know i always looked at the career path as a way to acquire capital so that i could do whatever i wanted right to go go have an adventure and so even when i was working at sataurus you know the technology in the world was changing such that you know internet was there and you could trade remotely and you know you know you know whatever 1g became 2g and 2g became 3g and so we had an office where listen you're responsible for your position you have your book you trade we don't care as long as you make money you're all right you lose money you're out and that was kind of the way it was and so i always found a way to one be able to remote in and, and you know, get all the information and trade and be responsible, but basically change my office space, right? So the off my office space would be the world. And I wanted to see the world and I wanted to get out and I wanted to, you know, enjoy my time. I, I didn't want to be one of these guys that, you know, slaved away. And then, you know, 65 or whatever it was, 55, even if early at 55 or late at 65 goes on a carnival cruise and be like, whoopee, this is it, you know, that, that was not in my plans whatsoever. I I was becoming aware that, you know, I want to live life. You know, I want to live life of a 25-year-old or a 27-year-old. And when I was in my 30s, I want to live the life of a 30-year-old. Whatever my version of that is, people in the audience, they'll have their own version of that, right? And so I've always been seeking that balance. I never really get it right, but I keep trying to seek it out. So you
1: you mentioned in the book, there's there's three things there's there's um, money, time, health, and you know in your twenties you have health and time but not necessarily money, and it starts to change you know in your thirties and forties where you have a little bit more money but a little less health and and actually no time because of the responsibilities, and then when you're older you have time and the money you've accumulated through savings or whatever, but uh, now you have no health so that limits you from certain experiences. So uh, a lot of people listening to this, they might be in their thirties, their forties, and they might feel like, well, what do I do? I'm in the middle of, you know, I, I live a lifestyle. Let's say I spend, let's say someone's listening to this. They say I, I spend a hundred thousand a year, but I- now my job pays me 200,000 a year. So I'm putting a little bit in in savings. And by the way, you you bring up a really great point early in the book, which is that young people should not save. <laughs> because their earnings potential is gonna go up so much faster than their savings account is gonna go up. And I try to tell this to people all the time, no one ever listens because they think even developing the habit of saving is good. So A, good points on telling young people not to save because their earnings are gonna go up so much faster than their savings. But listening to this, someone spends 100,000 a year, but they have a steady job making 200,000, what do they do? They, They hear what you're saying, they want they want to have more experiences. They're getting bored of their job. Everybody is going through this great reset right now with this lockdown. What what should how should someone think about this now?
0: Yeah, I I, I tell people like you know, I, you know, very adamant in the book. Like I'm not telling you how to live. I'm just telling you how to think about living. Right. Like I, I, I so what I tell people to do is get off autopilot. Just take down a piece of paper. Next five years, what experiences do you want to have? Not what you've been trained to think you want. Right. Not what you think a rich guy should be doing or whatever your guys be doing but what do you want to do what experiences do you want to have that are perfect for this bucket and you should compare that for the next five years and the next five years and what you see is start dropping activities like say i want to climb mount everest or i want to get married or i want to go to grad school or i want to go motorcycling across india or whatever they are right i want to go lead a choir learn to code Start sprinkling them in in these age buckets. And really, after you start, you get off autopilot and you think about, okay, from now to the grave, these are the experiences I want to have in five-year increments loosely. It could be I want to have, you know, and get down to the granule. I want to have sex 100,000 times and I want that to be 20,000 times between now and here, 10,000, whatever, right? Like list them all out. What you're going to find is you're going to have a curve, right? You're going to have an activities curve which is going to correlate to your spend curve which is going to tell you when you need to save right and what you need to save for or or whether you're undersaving or oversaving and and also this this is going to be a map also on time so let's say mm-hmm.
1: your your current job gives you 2 weeks of vacation a year and one week you know you spend with your kids and another week you might do other things and and let's say you have your bucket for the next 5 years includes climbing mount everest you really only have five more weeks
0: in your life to climb Mount Everest. Correct, correct. And so like you can overlay your situation on this and you're just going to get realistic and you're going to go, holy shit, maybe I need a different career or maybe I need to quit this job or maybe I need to save more or maybe I need to do X, Y, and Z. The point is, is that not for me to tell you how you should be living your life, but for you to get off autopilot, realize you want out of life and make sure you approach it so you don't miss out, right? Like, if you're, if you're single and you're like, I want to get married and have kids, maybe the error should come before that, right? Because, okay. right? because then your you time know, it's, is going to go away. Yeah, yeah, correct. And so, you know, those are dynamic decisions, right? Like, what you had for breakfast this morning, that one breakfast, whether you had a coffee or not, is not a dynamic decision. It's not going to affect every single other decision in your life. But when you get married and you have kids, that's a dynamic decision. It affects every other subsequent decision in your life. Right. You're switching switches on and off that you had no idea that you were switching on and off. And I learned that. And I think all parents learn that. Right. Like as soon as you have kids, it's like, holy shit. Every single you didn't realize I made 30,000 decisions with one decision of having a kid. But anyway, just going through that exercise of bucketing your life like people have, oh, I have a bucket list. Before I die, I want to do this. And they have this idea like, you know, just before they're going to die or five years before they die, they're going to run around and tick off the boxes. It's not how it works. Okay. Your health is declining from 33, right? I guess 33 to 40 is like physical maturity and 40, it's it's in decline. I mean, I, I, if there was a Ugh. doctor on the line. He's like, nope, you're declining right at 33 or 34, whatever it is. That and so sucks.
1: that's 20 years ago I know. for me and for you.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. But it's like, you, you know how it is. Like, whether you play basketball, hockey, or whatever it is, the memory of playing, basketball or hockey or whatever it is, is actually greater than playing hockey today, right? Like if I got on the field and tried to play football right now, it'd be miserable compared to my memories of playing football 20 years ago, right? So thank God I played, you know, 20 years ago. Who am I kidding? (laughs) uh, 30 years ago, you know what I mean? And so like 32 years ago, who am I? I'm kidding myself again. But anyway, you get the point is that we need to slot these experiences in the proper time they're meant to be had depending on the person and only you could sit down and slot those experiences properly
1: yes it's totally true airbnb unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests. And having my own Airbnb or or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the Hims app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at hymnscom slash James. Could you imagine that? There's a whole section just with my name on it. himscom slash James. That's how, I, how much I am representative of When did you kind of make the decision? All right, I'm not going to devote my resources to uh, expanding my net worth anymore. I'm going to
0: focus on other experiences. I mean, I, 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 to me, it was a balance. Like, if you, people are like, oh, I love my job. I'm like, keep working. Just make sure you keep spending, and you and you and you get those ex- other experiences. Enhance your experience. Like, figure out a way to use your resources so. You supersize your life to the best of your ability. And this goes for every income bracket, right? Like this, this goes like you you always have a choice, right? Like some experiences don't cost money, right? Whether you uh, you know, decide that I'm gonna get off my couch and go for a walk with my daughter in the park, or whether I'm just gonna sit down and watch, you know, Top Chef or whatever the show is of the day, right? Like these are choices that we have to make. Um, and realize that these this time is fleeting, like the walk in the park with your daughter. That's not going to happen, you know, 10, 15 years from now, right? Like the time will pass. And so, you know, I made the choice that my life was more important than the money, right? The money was a tool to enhance my life. And I wanted to make sure I was using that tool properly, right? And so it's not like I didn't want the money. It's not like I don't want to accumulate money. But as soon as I get that money, when I'm working for money, I'm like, what experience is this going to? Sometimes it's going to charitable things, right? IRC, International Red Cross, uh, Days Foundation, whatever charity, whatever the charity in the moment. Sometimes it's to be the insurance agent of last resort for my family, right? Most of us like who've become very successful, you are the insurance agent of last resort for your family, whether you like it or not, right? And so, and and that's, you know, travel given home. And some of it's just, hey, I want to go rent a boat in the, in the, off of Croatia and and explore a new culture and meet new people and see beautiful things. And, you know, that's part of it as well. And so for each person at, at each resource uh, level, um, you're going to have your own set of choices to make. And what I'm trying to get people to do is make sure it's a choice, not autopilot. That's the main thing. Get off autopilot.
1: Yeah, I think the autopilot is a great analogy or mantra here. And also, there's kind of this idea that experiences in many ways are greater than possessions.
0: By and large, I've found that the experiences that you have, you interacting with people, going to see things, adventures you tried and failed, right? That makes your life interesting and fulfilling. When you go sit down with friends, like most of the time you're talking about past events, things you've had, right? And you're creating new memories in, off that experience so that that memory dividend of those experiences that you had compounds, and you get to enjoy them again and again and again and again throughout your life. So they pay dividends. I like I like this analogy of viewing um,
1: experiences as, as as almost like investments, so that they they pay dividends, they compound. Uh, you know, you could lose too, but then you learn and and hopefully make more in dividends from from the 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 loss of of in an experience. Like if, like if an experience is a sad one,
0: yeah. I mean like it, it. I mean the ultimate experience is that we get learn how to navigate the world. When you walk up to a door, you know how to turn the knob because you have the experience of opening a door, right? And it pays dividends every single time you go up to a door, right? Mm. That's the most rudimentary uh, example of the of the memory dividend, you know, paying out, right? But it also happens like the time you played on a sports team and you had camaraderie and you hit the home run and you know you have fond memories of your first kiss of the time you went on a date and the girl told the joke and the, the the milk came out your nose and then you tell that story and people laugh and then the next time you tell that story that creates a new memory and it compounds and so investing in experiences mm. pays a dividend right it pays a dividend like you when, when you when, when i talk to you i'm like hey How'd that movie go that you're trying to make a number one movie this week, you know, in oh, yeah, Florida, I think I think, you, <laughs> I think we had number
1: eight in the country.
0: <laughs> congratulations, right? And then, you know, that, that soundtrack might, you know, win a, a Best Oscar for a Best Song or something like that, right? Like because, you know, and, and, and that's going to pay a dividend. You're always going to remember, I made this movie. This was the process of making it, etc. You'll be telling the story 15 years from now. And you'll be getting enjoyment out of it 15 years from now. It's true, like I think about this in terms of, I like to think of life as
1: a series of experiments. Uh, you know, it, it, so an experiment is something that has very little downside. Like I can easily do it and experience it and potentially huge upside. And at the very worst, I learn from it and I could tell a story about it. So that, like you say, it pays, it pays dividends in a variety of ways. And this is like a way of diversifying experiences by viewing them as
0: experiments. You think about it, when you're saving, right? You're saving the money for something, right? For some delayed gratification, right? So you're getting a return on your investment and and you're going to eventually turn that money into something that you were saving for, some experience. You're delaying gratification for a reason. But ultimately, if you delay gratification to the extreme, it's no gratification. You basically save for nothing, right? And so what people fail to realize is that just as money in the bank pays a return and a dividend, so do experiences and they're actually the return on those are actually greater than the dividends in the bank and market returns.
1: Right. So you, so you talk about this concept, what you call peak net worth, and this is similar. There was a book like, um, 15 years ago, I think it was called the number, which was, you know, what number do you need to retire? And you basically work out this formula differently of what peak net worth is, essentially what the number is. Uh, because you're assuming, of course, that someone should should die as close to zero as possible. Maybe not exactly, but you, that's the, the, the aim. And so maybe right. let, let, let's walk through this formula real quickly because it was interesting and I, I have some questions about
0: it. So the the one thing, you know, the one experience is that we were modeling is we know that people, the, the the number one thing they want to do is survive, right? So we got to calculate what your survival number is, right? That, that's the number that we're saving for, whether it's in our 20s, 30s, 40s, we're saving for that. That is the, every, that's common amongst everyone. And then after that, it, it's for experiences. So it, whatever experience you want to have, right? The bigger house, the yacht, put my kids through college, I don't know, right? Give to this charity, et cetera. But at the end of the day, in order not to waste the hours of our life and waste our time here on earth, we should use all our resources before we die. And I'm saying, once again, for those who are tuning in late, your money, not your kid's money. Your kid's money, you've already given it to them. You already set it aside into trust. It's, you're not spending your kid's money, okay? We're talking about your money, okay? And so since your body declines and your health declines, all right, and your ability to consume experiences declines with age. And also whether you can do them or not, not whether not necessarily whether you could do them or not, but your enjoyment of them declines, right? There is a natural curve to the utility of money, right? And so what you find out is, is that as we're sloping down to zero and we're trying to match this optimal curve, there is a date in your life, not a number, but a date at which your net worth should peak.
1: So you're saying basically there's, uh, you figure out what the costs, what, what you're spending is going to be from now until the end of your life. And, you know, you could extrapolate that many things. What, what, what is the day you have to retire before, you know, if you're going to spend at a certain amount, given a certain net worth and given a certain, uh, amount of interest you're going to get on your money. And, and given these experiences, you know, you're going to spend this amount per year. And and so on. And that's how you, you build the formula for calculating your number. Where we're at the end, at the well, day you die, you have zero.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, I go a little bit differently. So I go to, like, you have to know that you have to have an estimate of the day you're going to die, right? So you have an estimate. I'm going to die. I'm going to die in 36 years, right? That's, that's my estimate, right? And I'm going to start working. I will have no income whatsoever in, let's say, 20 years or 15 years, right? So, I I need to know, what I start to calculate is, what is my survival number? Not my, I'm going out, Starbucks every day, hanging out, going to movies, yachting around number. But what is like, I have a roof, shelter, you know, food. I could take care of myself, okay? Then, then I start to say, okay, now after that's calculated, I save for that number, right? After that, it's experiences, right? It's just experiences on top of that, going to the opera, going skiing, renting a yacht, renting a car, driving up the coast, whatever the experiences are. And I start to allocate these experiences properly. But on top of that, what's 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 hacking these experiences down is, is that I can make more and more money. But let's say it's just the day before I die and I can't move. I'm in a bed, et cetera, right? I'm not putting experiences to that day. I'm consuming now, and so based on your health decline and how sh- how in shape you are, your net worth should peak at an age. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a number. It's not a, a a dollar amount, but it's a date, right? Because making more money goes against the resistance of the decline of health and your ability to convert that money. Into positive life experiences, as I call them. I go in the book about calculating your survival number, and I talk about like putting experiences in the right bucket, but it requires, it's like an NP problem, but solvable. Uh, You're a computer scientist, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Like, I it, can tell practical requires- engineering <laughs> coming through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's, it requires a computer to run all these simulations, right? Basically to live your life a thousand times or a million times or whatever it does. And it says this is the optimal path you can get based on this health decline curve, right? This interest rate, right? And this is, should be your spend curve. And it'll calculate it and it'll say, okay, uh, your net worth should peak on this day. Right, and from then on, you can suspend. Right.
1: So, so this is the way I used to calculate it, uh, and and it's different from your book. But um um, your book is persuading me. So I would say, let's say, I'm I'm just making up numbers now, but let's say, uh, it's uh, I'm I'm 50, and I'm gonna live to 80 roughly, and I'm let's say I'm pretty healthy, so a lot of experiences I could still have. Let's say my basic expenses might be a hundred thousand a year, but then I know my experi the extra experiences are gonna be 200,000 a year, although that might decline. Let's assume it doesn't decline for a while. And then I would think to myself, okay, I got to multiply that by 25, 200,000 by 25, because I think to myself, I'll I'll be able to make 4% after taxes per year. And so this way I don't touch whatever, you know, that number is to, you know, $5 million, 200 times 25. And, but you're saying, and, and all these numbers are just, making up for the heck of it. Right. You're saying the number in the book, you say the number is roughly 70% of the, it's like three, in that particular example I give would be more like three and a half million because it's okay to decline. And I've never been comfortable with the decline thing because what if I live to 120, you know, what if they make yeah, medicines I mean, and I get stem cells and boom, I'm living to 150.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, then you should contract your local insurance agents and look for an annuity to insure against you living too long, right? Like, you you don't need to be the insurance agent for you living too long, right? Everybody's familiar with the ah. insurance agent for you dying too soon, right? But they have insurance products for you living too long. But
1: then I get afraid. I get afraid of
0: inflation. Well, I mean, in the book, all the numbers are inflation adjusted, right? Um, and so... We're talking about that. But if you want to inflation hedge, right? Go against that in your savings. Like, you first of all, you're not, like, the data is out there for you to look at, seniors. Like, even with medical costs, because I, I get this a lot, right? Like, oh, what about the medical costs? And I'm saving for this. Even with medical costs skyrocketing, seniors spend less year after year the older they get, okay? And it's just, that's the way it is. You know, they talk about the, Go go years, the slow go years, and the no go years, right? And that's what happens to people. It's like you just lose the ability to convert your capital into experiences and it just winds up sitting in a bank and you wind yeah. up dying with it. And so when you're like, oh, I need 200,000, I'm like, if you were spending, if your experience bucket is full and you're spending 200,000 at 40 or 50, there's no shot you're spending 200,000 at 75. Right? Like, I'm laying odds against that. I'll, I'll start an insurance company. Yeah, there'll be an outlier. This guy, Jack Lane, or you know, David Goggins or whatever. like he'll be <laughs> you know what I mean, David Goggins will still be running around doing everything He He's going to be
1: 15 <laughs> years old then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. He's reverse aging. but you know, by and large, for more than a super majority of people, you will spend less as you get older, right? Your time is going to be spent watching reruns of Jeopardy and eating tapioca pudding. You know, and 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 I, I'm that's, what that's I do now extreme, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's a little extreme. That's a little unfair. But what it is is that your your health and your taste. It's not just your health. It's your taste change over time, and you and and you just don't spend that much. And it's not like um, I'm making this up. It's just in the data. It's in this. It's in the census data. There's tons of data out there. There's private wealth managers that talk about how they have problems getting. Uh, older couples to uh, to accumulate, right? To spend down their assets. And they just don't. You can look at the census data. It's like, why are 70 to 75-year-olds, why is their net worth going up? Like, what are they saving for? Like, when does the party start? You know, that's what I think. It's like, wait, when's the party going to start? And what happens is the the party passed them. Right? The party passed them. So, When you say I need two hundred thousand and I don't need to dip into the principal, I'm like, no, 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 no. Like right here is the golden years, right? You're forty to sixty-five. These are the real golden years. So it's interesting because during the golden years, let's say you're working for a bank
1: like Goldman Sachs, there's often kind of uh, this Wall Street trap I call it, where you know all the other partners are living in you know, super expensive mansions in, in Greenwich and they're flying their helicopters or planes down to the Bahamas on on their vacations. So you get trapped in this lifestyle. Oh, and by the way, your bonuses and options that vest in six years, they kind of have this way of reeling you in. And, and I, I'm taking Goldman Sachs on one end, but every job does this to some extent. You tend, people tend to spend what they make, even if they don't really love those experiences that much. Nobody really needs the 18 bedroom house in in Greenwich, but they do it because that's what all, all their peers are doing. So they feel it's part of their career.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's basically one of the forms of autopilot and how they get you right. Like, I mean, I'm I'm enjoying life because there's people out there who've like been habituated into slaving away in some job, putting out some product, making something free, some app I'm using, whatever. And they're not living their life; they're freaking in a dark room coding for more and more money that they're never going to spend and I'm like that's great scam you actually have a slave there he's a well kept gilded slave right like he's got a nice mansion right and and whatever but he is working and you keep throwing digits into this bank account right this this whatever but he's never going to touch it he's never going to spend it and he's going to keep producing for me right because he's on autopilot he's just Chugga, 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 chugga. So so you what's know? what's a good way? I mean, so you're talking about a
1: mindset change, but often it's very difficult to think your way into a mindset change. Like because you have no experience with the habits. Like someone could be listening to this saying, he's right, I'm gonna change. But then it's very hard to change the physical habits. You could change your thinking, but you might not be able to change your actions. And so what are what are some things, some easy steps someone can take? To get into the autopilot, where they could start do even doing the math, like we
0: we almost went too fast into the math of yeah, how to calculate yeah. this out. I, I, this is a great question, and, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit out of school. So there there's a I t- actually took a behavior design class recently um, by BJ Fogg, right? Oh, great guy. And, yeah, and so Tiny Habits, good book. Yeah, great book. And so I I actually took a boot camp. I went to a boot camp. It was like I think it was a uh, three weeks long, and we went over behavior design, and essentially. I would recommend uh, pretty much what he recommends. First of all, no behavior happens without a prompt. That means like a, a a thing to go do it, like call your mom, right? Usually it's internal. I remember to call my mom, but external prompts are better, right? Because you can forget. So no behavior happens without that. So I would say, hey, post a sticky note somewhere and then take a tiny step towards what your goal is, right? Because you're motivated to change. Obviously, like I want to change. I want to do this, whatever. And make it something that's very easy or something that you can do. It doesn't have to be very easy to do, but something that you have the ability to do. And just take tiny steps towards making those changes. So that, that's how, uh, you know, behavior design and how you, you break these habits is by creating these new ones and making a step towards your goal. Tiny steps. But the first thing you need to do mentally is just be aware of that, wow, I am actually on a treadmill. That used to be good. It got me in shape. And I used to get rewards. They used to give me cheese. But somehow the cheese is just piling up in the back of the room right now, right? And I'm still on a treadmill. That awareness is the first step. So you have to like kind of like mentally get off autopilot. And then you have to take deliberate steps to get the most out of your damn life that you possibly can. What would be an example? Little step. And again,
1: I I, I understood that you don't know you're just guessing about someone's lifestyle but just just guess like make up a human who's making 150 a year as a middle manager somewhere
0: I'll give you i just use myself as an example right like I will go down the rabbit hole of research on anything right of the the nth degree right like when I'm trading natural gas which I still do like I'll go to the nth degree oh these companies are going bankrupt well how many companies are going bankrupt well let's look at the bankruptcy reports well what is it whatever and I'll go down there whatever and I'm like you know what I got an analyst push it off to them, close the computer. Let me ask my daughters how their day was going. I mean, they barely talk to me now as teenagers and pretty soon they're out, out the house. So like, I, I, I'm, I can't miss this moment. This is a time bucket that has, this is a season that will end, right? And I need to get off this autopilot of going down, drilling down to the nth degree of confidence about what production is going to be in a month. And I need to go and spend this time here with my daughters, you know. Yeah. So maybe
1: maybe one thing is then making a list of future regrets if you don't change.
0: I think that's great. I, I think you know the the thing I like, you know, I, I I in the book I suggest what I call time bucketing your life. Those time buckets, just taking out a piece of paper. You don't have to get it perfect the first time. And just write down the things you want. And, and you could shorten it. You could make it one year over this, just this one year. What are the experiences I really want to have? This over the next five years, what do I really want to have? And and then and from, from, so let's say you're 30, 30 to 35, 35 to 40, sprinkle it, right? Come back to it again, right? And just think about it. And it, like, okay, then you have it. Let's say it's like, I really wanted to run the Boston Marathon. This is experience I want to have in my life. And I want to get married and I got to do a lot of training. So let's break that down. How much training, whatever, this and that, you know, what? I'm going to actually go, you know, there's a specific method for tra- tra- training for a marathon, but I'm actually going to go run two miles today, right? You build up your stamina, et cetera. But like you have to, when we were younger, we were very much connected with the things we wanted and what we wanted out of our life, mm-hmm. Right. I want to act, I want to be a fireman, I want to go do this, I want to, whatever, I want to backpack through Europe. I mean, it was just like, you didn't think in terms of dollars, you thought in terms of experiences, and it was very natural, right? It's it's
1: true, I would say, the the day my youth ended was the day I started thinking in
0: terms of dollars. Right, and so, that, and you went into the world, and you said, okay, I have this field. I kind of enjoy this field. I have an aptitude for it. I want to make money. And with this money, I'm going to do these, these experiences, right? The 17-year-old in me and the 18-year-old in me, whatever. Somewhere along the line, we forgot. We got disconnected from them. And our tastes changed too. And we, have, we spend so much time working and hustling and worrying and Twitter battles about politics and blah, blah, blah. We forget what we want. And we, it takes work to reconnect to those things. And so, you know, I strongly advise people to reconnect with themselves, right? About what experiences they wanna have out of life, like when they were 17 or 18. A lot of people, they get to retirement, they don't fucking know what to do. And they're depressed or they go back to work or something. And I was like, that's because you spent your whole life working on X and not yourself and your hobbies. That's why you don't know what to do, you're a robot. You've turned yourself into a money-making robot, right? Yeah.
1: And so let's say someone is that. How do they, st- and they've been doing it for 30 years, so that's their habit. How do they find out? I mean, I often tell people, well, just look at the last 50 pictures you took on Instagram, and that gives you some clues. But how do people figure out, uh, I don't even know what I want?
0: You realize it's going to take times, right? Like you, you got good and you've created this habit over 30 years. You're not going to like instantaneously go, boom this is what I want to do. I want to skateboard and be a skater or whatever it is. Like, you know, I want to go deliver water in South Sudan. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen instantaneously, like an epiphany, like you fell off your horse on the way to Damascus or something like that. I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be something where it's going to be taking time and focusing, silencing everything, going in a room, meditating, thinking about it. Like, what would I enjoy? What kind of randomness could expose me? How could I get exposed to random things to see what I can enjoy? Life is discovery. You don't know what you want. You discover what you want, right? So as a kid, you discovered this, and you're like, shit, I want to be a fireman. That shit is cool as shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's the same It's the same thing as an adult. Like, I don't know what I like. I have to discover what I like, you know?
1: Well, well and I like what you said about the marathon where you might not do the typical training, but you might say, oh, I'm going to um, run two miles today. And then you might decide, eh, you know, that wasn't so much fun. So that's what I call experiments. Like you could do little experiments to figure out, like like I might make a list for the next year and it just might be too big. But the way I, but then I can make a list of, here's how I can experiment with each item and I'm going to find items I don't like by doing these experiments.
0: It's important, but it's not a test and you're not being graded. So like doing these experiments, getting out there, taking the time to think about it, to focus on it, to try... That's the process, right? Like how I, if you were working for me and how I got you working like a slave and never taking the vacation that you were supposed to take, right? Never taking your time off or whatever is created a habit and you're a great employee, but you're being really, you're not really that great to yourself, to the vision of your life to the things you like, to the experiments that you should be running for your life. Like, yeah, you've done great experiments for our company. This one didn't work. That didn't work. This one was great. This one, whatever, but you're not doing that for your own life. You know, and, and your
1: point earlier is you can, people don't realize this, but maybe they're realizing this now because of the lockdown, you can switch careers. Money is a bucket too, in this list of buckets. And you could decide, you know what? I could still make money but maybe I need two thirds per year of what I'm making, or or half, or double for a year or two, whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've heard of the fire people, right? No. The the, the well, there's the, the the financial independence retire early people, and their whole stick is like, you know, I, I I they almost got it perfect, right? Their whole stick is like, I don't need all this fancy car, I don't need this. They really get in contact with uh in touch with what they really want out of life right i don't need these ego trappings these are the things i really want they figure it out they they save like mad okay and then they retire early right i disagree with them the part i disagree with them is is that they're delaying experiences past their due date too often right the fire, the fire people are but what they do have right is is that they do do take the time to get in touch about what they really want out of life, what makes them happy, what they want their journey to be, right? And so, you know, they switch careers. They they go here. They move out of towns. They go whatever to get, have a living, a fulfilling life and not be addicted to the money or the status of money or et cetera. And, I, you know, I take it the other way. I'm like, look, I love the money as long as, because money isn't for money. I don't like money for money's sake. It's fucking useless. It's for the experiences. I have an experience lined up for every dollar I make. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's going to something. Whether it be a charity, my kids, myself, a trip up the coast or whatever. But to earn a dollar that I'm not going to spend is ludicrous to me.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, <laughs> there's an interesting point, too, which is that you can't. There there comes a point, you can't tell the difference between a billionaire and someone with, say, I don't know, some amount, a, a tiny, tiny percentage of that. Like, you could live the same life of a billionaire without anyone, without any difference in lifestyle, even though you might have 1% of the money or
0: half a percent of the money. Correct. I mean, and and this is what I tell people also. There's, there's two things. Um, one is, is that, Every exotic place I've been, every experience I've been, I could look around and see somebody with one one thousandth of money enjoying themselves just the same, taking in the same view and sometimes even having a better experience because they're not as uh, coddled and and removed from the, you know, from the people, right? They might have a, a richer experience. And I talk about that in my book about my friend backpacking. The other thing is I tell people is that you could never pay me enough to be Warren Buffett in his life right like i'm just like no shot right like that does not seem like an adventurous life great guy nice person to me it's like a monumental waste of of a ride you know so
1: so what do mm-hmm. you what do you worry about like in this whole uh, situation right now do you worry that there could be so much unrest and cataclysmic political or geopolitical change that y- your money is is worthless your banks shut down and and, you know, I don't know. Shit happens.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, 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 there, there's, you know, I think the United States and the world is always in crisis, right? If you go to any period, a decade, there's always crisis: there's a Vietnam War, Cold War. You know, when I was a kid, I used to literally, I guess maybe it was the media or the hype or maybe it was the real situation. I was like, is a nuclear bomb going to go off one day? You know, in the 80s back with Reagan and stuff like that. And so, I mean, there's just one crisis after another. And I'm not saying that these crises can't happen and, and, you know, my money can be useless, et cetera. It's something in the back of my head to have some sort of insurance plan on a middle of survival, but you know I, I've been busted a couple of times in my life, and I've enjoyed it, right? Like, I've I've had great times then, great times uh, when I'm rich as well, you know. And I my thing is like whatever resources I have, I'm gonna use them to my best of my ability, right? To, to get what I choose in a life. And that's what I want people to do. It's like, I don't care if you have like a dollar in a bank or zero dollars in a bank. You still got your time, your health. You're still breathing. Let's make non-autopilot decisions to get the maximum out of this situation that you have going on right now.
1: Do, do you ever worry about uh, your your relevance in life? So kind of like your imprint on the world. For instance, you wrote this book, presumably because you have a message and you want, and
0: you want your name out there and you want your voice heard. I, I mean, I, I wrote the book because I, I, you know, I've I've encountered and seen people with with a life unfulfilled and 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 regrets, right? And and the concept of too late really fucks with me. Excuse my French, but it really, really, really fucks with my soul. Um, that times period, and and I've experienced this having kids, right? And I talk about it in the book about uh, you know watching certain movies with them. That were great, and you know they'd want to watch it again and again. I'm like, no, nah, whatever, blah blah blah. And then the time came where I was like, hey, let's watch Pooh's Heffalump movie with my daughter. And they're like, no, that, that's a baby movie. I don't want to watch that, whatever. And I was like, holy shit, had I known this date, you know, had I, if you told me December fifteenth, you know, whatever, whatever date it was, that they will no longer like this movie, I might have watched it ten more times than I had, and then savored those moments a little bit better, or or college, or you know. The college professor that you don't see or, or, or the friend you don't see anymore. The last time you, you went outside and played with your friends, you know, people have heard that statement before. And so the biggest thing that worries me is being out of balance and not taking advantage of the things that I have around me, right? And so COVID kind of, I think, is sh- shooken myself up and a lot of people up, right? They're kind of like, holy shit. You know, and so after getting shaken up, I was like, okay. Okay. All right. What what activities? This is a time period. What activities can I do now? Well, I can go hiking. I can go driving up the coast of California with my girlfriend. I can spend time with my daughters and try and get close to them, much to their dismay. Right? They're like, "Dad, you're so weird. Nobody hangs out with their dad this much." What, Dad? Dad? You know that? Type how old of thing. are you kids? Thirteen and sixteen. And so, uh, you know, I I just took advantage of what resources I had, which is the resources where I had a lot of time with my children, right? I had the ability to walk around. And then when I was in St. Thomas, I had the ability to go on my boat and go and enjoy nature and connect with people. And then my family, you know, I was like, oh, my family now wants to talk to everybody because they can't. I mean, relatives that I normally don't talk to were on Zoom calls, chitty chatting, right? So that was great, taking advantage of that. And so, you know, that's, that's, my, my biggest fear is wasting my life, you know, wasting my resources. And, 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 and so to not waste my life and waste my resources, I I have to really pause, get off autopilot, get off my phone, think about it. It's like, okay, what do you really want? And And that's scary. Like I'm the fat coach on the sidelines. Like, like, trust me, I wrote the book about this and it's still very hard. Like you have to disconnect and go, what do I want? All right. What resources? What can I do to take steps towards those to those goals? What can I do now? You know so do I mean? you do
1: that every day? Or like like when's the last time you said, you know what, I really want to have this experience? And so you started aiming for a particular experience.
0: It was it was actually this trip to Croatia it was uh, like the last the, the big oh, on the big note, it was this trip to Croatia, right? It was like, I gotta. Get out! I gotta find a place in the world that I could go to, that I can enjoy, that I can take my friends and my daughters, and that I can explore. And now's the time! I don't care what what it costs or whatever. I don't know if we're gonna have a third wave and if we're gonna die. If this thing's gonna like infect our brains, you know, there's all kinds of information coming back and forth. I have no clue. You know what I mean? I don't know if we're gonna have riots and wars and the money's gonna be useless. All I know is I have today. I have the capital. I'm getting older. You know what I mean? And I was like, I want to take this trip. And it was the, also the trip I took to Aspen to go hiking. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go hiking. Should I hike Ajax with David? I was with David Goggins. And I was like, yeah, I need to hike Ajax with Goggins. I'm out of shape, but um, it's not like I'm going to be more in shape 20 years from now. So, like, now's the time, right? It's. But were you,
1: did he obliterate you? Like, were you ashamed to be hiking next to I, I was, a, a, the perfect I was, specimen of human?
0: I, yeah 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 that 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 was uh i told I told David I said listen this is a leisurely hike right like you he's like, okay, I'll go run a bunch of miles beforehand and do my business, and then I'll come in and do a leisure hike so you know David go ran umpteen miles right and then he was very kind to go very slow up the mountain with us and 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 it was great because you just don't want to look like a complete Pansy, You know what I mean? (laughs) In front of David. So I wouldn't quit. And we got up to the top. We got up to the top. And it was a great experience. And I'm glad I did it. And here I am cashing in on the memory dividend of hiking Ajax on this show right now. I'm cashing in on that right now. uh, That experience of hiking, huffing and puffing, almost dying, 169 heart rate. But I got to the top, you know?
1: (laughs) That's great. It's such a great analogy. And you're right. I think it could be applied at any age and to any income group and can get people to start thinking if they haven't been maximum, you know, let's say the stock market typically returns whatever you want to say, five or 6%, whatever memory dividends should probably be, you know, return similar or more because they're, they're less
0: risky. (laughs) I uh, let's put it this way. I can access the memory bank infinitely. So once you make a deposit into the experience, bank right the bank of yeah. memories you can withdraw infinitely I, right i love this that, analogy and so so i get to withdraw from that forever right i'm still withdrawing from my first kiss you know what i mean i, I and i'll be 80 and i'll withdraw from that right like my with the, the birth of my daughters i'll be withdrawing from that forever until my brain doesn't work anymore right and other things my the time i had to sleep on a train when i didn't have any money to get home right and I was working, I wanted to be, you know, I had, I, I didn't have any money. I was busted as a screen clerk and I had to sleep on a train because I, I didn't have money and I was going to hop the turnstile, but they had cops there and I didn't want to, you know what I mean? I couldn't do it. So I just slept on a train, and went to work the next day, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I access that memory, even though it was bad at the time, all the time. It's great conversation material. People love that story, you know? And, you know, when you invest in a stock market, you could get a couple withdrawals. That's about it. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So I, I tell people invest in experiences early, because you get to with th- those the dividends often add up more th- than more than the original experience. Let's say the original experience was like let's say call it ten experience points. I'm just making up a number, right? But the dividends from that might be hundred, or twenty five, or twelve, right? Right, because
1: you could say maybe every time you tell a story, it's like a half
0: an experience point. If <laughs> you tell exactly. a story two
1: hundred times, boom. Thousand Ooh. percent return,
0: or you might be laying in your bed thinking about a night. Listen, I this is a I don't know this is my this is a little off color.
1: This is a, it's okay. We have a soft porn podcast here.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. So I was just gonna say, like, uh, anybody who's ever masturbated truly understands the the memory dividend. <laughs> you think about it, right? Like, you get That's, the memory dividend, right? Anybody who's ever masturbated to a prior prior experience. What, what's the
1: equivalent money thing? What's the equivalent of money? It's probably not an equivalent.
0: No, there's not It's not an equivalent. But I'm just saying, like, you get the memory dividend. You're getting pleasure from a prior experience, right? And so, you, you but companies cash in on this memory dividend. Like, there's been um, studies done where they, you know, they put fMRI on people's heads and see what areas their brains light up when they do stuff. And when they're drinking Coca-Cola, not only are you tasting the Coca-Cola, but you're tasting the memories of every single Coke commercial. Those brain centers light up every time you drink a Coke. That's why Coke tastes better when you know it's a Coke, and Pepsi tastes better when it's a it's a blind taste test, because of, mm. you're consuming all the memories of "I like the world in yeah. perfect harmony." You're drinking that, right? And so, people should take advantage of it. Facebook and technology companies are taking advantage of the memory dividend. You post up these pictures, et cetera, and they give you. Remember this three years ago, and then it's a picture, and then you go and tell your friend, like, hey, remember that time this picture just came up? And you, you get this activity, and you become a daily active user. Because fascinating, they're fascinating, cash- actually. They're cashing in on your memory dividends, right? They're cashing in on your memories, and your activity spikes, and you call your friends, and blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, while you're on the page and sharing with your friend an ad pops up, well, lo and behold, you know. Google does the same thing. My Google Photos goes five years ago on this date. And I'm just like, oh. And I love them for that because it sparks the memory and I I get to enjoy it. But they built a business on that. They are cashing in on your memory dividend. And what I tell people is, listen, they're multi-billion on their way to a trillion dollar companies. Cash in yourself. And you know how you cash in yourself? You have fucking experiences. You invest in spirits is now and then you can cash in for the rest of your life I I love this this is this is great
1: this is this is basically how I've lived my life the past 10 15 years and it's it's worked largely there's good experiences there's bad experiences but they all have memory dividends so that's a good way to put it I love the analogy
0: yeah and and so like when you're when you're when you're delaying gratification I'm not saying that you shouldn't delay gratification for certain events. I, I'm saying that you get to weigh these things. It's like, wow, if I do I go on two trips ten years from now or do I go on one trip now but have like ten years of memory dividend associated with that trip and experience or whatever. You know, it's it, who knows, depending on what your age you are, it may be two trips later. And, you know, if you're if you're twenty, it might be two trips later, but if you're fifty, sixty, seventy, it might be no, one trip now, buddy. <laughs> one trip now. <laughs> I'm not I, I don't have the energy two trips for later, you know. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, listen, uh, Bill Perkins. Uh, it's been so enlightening having you on the the podcast. We we have so many coincidences in common. One is you 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 made a movie that was directed by uh, a friend of mine, my my wife's ex brother in law, actually, John Stockwell. John Stockwell, yeah. You play poker. You play chess. All my favorite activities. Yeah. Uh, my experiences are super cheap. I just like games. So yeah. games, podcasting, and writing. So the 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 book is die with zero i really believe in this philosophy you you should read it and see all the different you know methods and philosophies and ways to figure this out in your own life and by bill perkins uh bill thanks so much for coming on the the podcast
0: thanks for having me on it's been great